So often in our Western culture, we talk about Jesus and me. We personalize it. But if you look at Scripture in the New Testament, we're not only to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but a shared relationship in community. That's what the church is. It's a family. It's a community. So I want to look at what God's calling us to be about, stand for as a local church. So I've been praying for you, for us, myself, that God would build your faith. And as your faith increases, our faith increases. It's contagious, you know, just like fear is contagious. And so when you start, when it starts spreading, faith starts rising, it kind of gets on people. And that's a good environment to be in. Something powerful happens when we come together in faith. Now, I can pray alone. It has power. But when you pray together, it's even more powerful. God says a two or three cord uh, strand cannot be easily broken. If two or three of you agree on earth is touching whatever you ask, it shall be done for you. So there's synergy and power when we get together versus being alone. You can worship alone, and it's good, but there's power in worshiping together. There's power in doing this together with each other. So I want to I look at building big faith. And for some of you, I hope today's message will cause you to get out of your comfort zone and take a step of faith. Don't just let life happen to you. Live by design, not by default. Don't just wash up on the beach. Go somewhere. Take some action. See, now there may be a day you can trace it back to this moment when you took a step of faith that wouldn't have happened without God's presence and God's power. So let's dive into our summit we statement. Look up at the screens. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Now, that's where most of the church is, safe, comfortable, okay. That's like kissing your sister. Yeah. And that's where people tend to go. It's not much of a risk. It's pretty safe, pretty comfortable but not much of an adventure. So we want to seek God for the impossible, believe God for miracles, dream that God would do more in our lives than we ever imagined for His glory and our good. So let's lay the foundation for this by looking at two different stories about Jesus. And what's interesting is that Jesus was amazed at two different times for two different reasons. Story one, Jesus is in His own hometown, and people were being critical of him for saying who he was. They said, who does this man say he is? People wondered. They didn't like it. In Mark 6, verse 5 through 6, it says, he could not do many mighty miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus was amazed, blown away, shocked, stunned that the people didn't believe him as to who he said he was. Story number two. This is a Roman centurion, and certainly the Jewish people would have disliked the centurion because of the laws that he made. But this centurion had a sick servant. He goes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal his servant. That centurion believed that Jesus could heal the servant with just a single word. Luke 7, verse 9, when Jesus heard this from the Roman centurion, he was amazed and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. 
Two different times Jesus was amazed. Lack of faith, great faith. And the guy with great faith was a Roman. He would have been considered taboo to any Hebrew. God uses people you don't like. God uses people not like you. Didn't vote the way you did. Don't dress the way you do. Don't like the same music you do. Don't do it the way you do. Once Jesus had to rebuke his own staff because people were casting out demons, and the disciple says, shall we rebuke them? They're not doing it like us. Jesus said, let them not alone. He that is with me is not against me. I mean, how about some common sense? You don't find it in religion, not much. So question, and only you can answer this. If Jesus looked at your faith level, would he be amazed at how big, how audacious and bold your faith is? Or would he just kind of sigh and be amazed at your lack of faith? So rank your faith one to ten. You do it. Think about this last year. What great faith steps did you take in any area this past year? Did you attempt something so bold, maybe a bit risky, that you could not have pulled off without God? How about your prayer life? What did you pray for? What if God answered every one of your prayers? What would be different in the world? For some of you, if you prayed great prayers, we would have found a cure for cancer, solved a hunger problem, saved a marriage, had kids adopted into families. Wouldn't that be great? Others of you would have had your food blessed to your health and nourishment of your body. Or would you would have had traveling mercies to grandma's house. What would be different in the world if God answered yes to your prayers and it would be immediate? Here's what's sad. For many, many Christians, nothing would be different because they didn't pray, didn't take any action. They weren't bold. And God says, I can do all things. And you don't even try. Would God be amazed at your great faith or amazed at your lack of faith? So I believe God's calling us as a church to be faith-filled, to do big things for the kingdom. Don't insult God with small, pygmy thinking. All of us came out of backgrounds culturally. All of us came out of racial backgrounds. Step-parents, real parents, uh, adopted families, different groups of people had impact into our lives. And some of us, most, didn't grow up in a faith-filled family. Some were fortunate to do so. Others of us came out of divorced homes and handed off to relatives, and nobody ever encouraged us that we could do anything. And I'm thinking, that's why in an environment like this, God wants to strengthen and enlarge your faith. He said, my plans for you are a lot bigger than living like a worm. I want you to be an eagle. I want you to soar. I don't want you to be a crawly caterpillar. If you saw an eagle walking down the highway, you'd say, that dumb eagle, he should fly. God gave him wings. He can soar. And this dude's walking along. You'd kick his feathers and say, you dumb eagle, you can fly. And I think God sometimes wants to lovingly bump us to say, hey, I didn't make you a worm. I made you an eagle. Why don't you soar? Why don't you believe me for some bigger things, better things? Well, because faith has risk, and that brings fear. What if? What if? So let me give you some faith-filled principles. Principle number one. Here we go. You can't play it safe and please God. You'll never reach your potential playing safe. 
Here's what the author of Hebrews wrote. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him has to believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. In other words, if you can do everything within your own power and you don't need God, you're living without faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants you to try something so that it isn't possible at all unless God comes through. And that's scary. And most of us want to hug security. We don't want to let go of our little teddy bear. And the challenge in our part of the world, people will glorify faith. Like there's a perception that if you have faith, you never have a bad day. Huh, wouldn't that be nice? Right. The thing is, faith isn't always constant, and you can have doubts in the midst of faith and some fear. Sometimes it can be messy, but that's why it's called faith. Anybody but me ever step out and took a risk, but in your mind, there was some fear, and there was some doubt, like, what if it doesn't work? But I took the step of faith. So it's nonsense to say, I don't have any trouble. I never had a doubt. Nonsense. I remember years ago at a youth camp, they did an exercise that was encouraging us to take a step of faith. And there was this tower 40 feet up. It looked like to me halfway to heaven. You climb up and then you step off the ledge and you fall until the safety harness catches you, you hope, and lowers you safely to the ground in one piece. Well, it looked easy from the ground to me, but you get up at 40 feet and look down. I rededicated my life to Jesus just in case I didn't make it. It was part fun and part terrifying, and that's what faith will always be. I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything bad, but I know I thought it, right? That's kind of what faith is like. You can't play it safe and please God. There is no safe in Scripture. It's faith, and it's risky, nasty. Peter's a great example. He was in a boat when Jesus was walking on the water in a storm that threatened these seasoned fishermen. And he called to Peter, and Peter got out and for a little bit walked on the water. And then people think because Peter failed, well, he sank, so he failed. But there were 11 other bigger failures who never got out of the boat. You know, we have couch potatoes, pew potatoes. These are boat potatoes. They were telling him why it wouldn't work. How dare you going to die? Get back in the boat. And you'll be have people tell you the same thing. When you want to step out of your comfort zone, out of prejudice, out of racism, out of bigotry, out of your security, start a business, do something like that, you'll have everybody. You don't need the devil to talk to you. Christians will. You're going to die. What are you thinking? Nobody in our family's ever done it. You don't have the education for this. I mean, if we were as encouraging as we are critical, we'd be walking on the water. I mean, that's a fact. There are people who think that failing means you're missing God. I've discovered that failing is often the first step to discovering God. Never let the fear of failure stop you from taking a step of faith. Well, Rick, what's going to happen if I get out of the boat? Watch my lips. I don't know. You're going to have to step out to find out. What happens if we go to San Antonio to start a church? And no, but I don't know. What happens if we go out and start a business? I don't know. It's called faith. Wise counsel, prayer, but it's still risky, which is why most people want a guarantee. Now, some of you are playing it safe and you know it. And you can't play safe and please God. You'll never get a miracle in your comfort zone. If you don't have a little back, 
a back failure every once in a while, you're playing it too safe. Uh, I like what one lady said. She said, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Right. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So bottom line, would God be amazed at your faith or would he be amazed how small it is and how lacking it is? Principle two, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. That's why it's called faith. There's no guarantee there. You have to trust the character of God. The writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see yet. And the problem for many of us is we want a guarantee. Back in the 50s when I was in high school, if you wanted to go out with a cute girl, you would always ask somebody close to her, if I asked her to go out, you think she'd go out with me? (laughs) Or a girl would ask one of the guys, do you think Rick would go out with me or somebody. We, we all, all we guys wanted a guarantee because we didn't want to face rejection. Any, right? I mean, you want to do a little preliminary work first. Uh, I don't want to waste this call, you know. That takes a lot of courage. I want to make sure I got a green light before I proceed. But the reality is God doesn't operate that way. Sorry. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. Wish so. You just can't. Sometimes you have to just say, I think God is calling me to do this. You've prayed about it. You've got wise counsel. You're not violating scripture. And you say, I think God wants us to do this. Nothing wrong with that. And you say, well, what if I fail? Well, what if you do? Get back up. You don't don't drown by falling in the water. You drown by staying there. You know, though the righteous man falls seven times, the Lord will uphold him. Don't be so afraid to fail. You don't live. Some of you have to let go of control so you can take a step of faith. God isn't going to show you steps three, four, and five till you take step one. You got to take the first step. And some of you have to take some faith risks. You can't play it safe and please God. You can't have control and faith. Third principle and the last one. To step towards my destiny, I have to step away from my security, my paycheck, my guaranteed whatever. I'm going to have to take a risk. And that's what separates the men from the boys. It's not that they're any better. They just took the risk. You're going to have to let go of the tree. Some of you are tree huggers. You hug that tree more than you hug your wife because you you don't want to let go. But to get your destiny, you have to let go. You may wonder what's going to happen. But if you knew, it wouldn't be called faith. When Cindy and I, with our two little girls, drove in with a U-Haul it into San Antonio, we had no guarantee. I'm leaving a great salary. I'm getting to fly airplanes. I'm getting to do uh, conferences. I'm importing cars from Europe. I'm having the time of my life. I'm living on the intercoastal waterway. I got a low interest mortgage. Life is good. And then God, that burning bush. And I thought, God, this is not a good idea. You know, so I don't need any criticism. I, I think I'm like the last girl chosen at the dance. Nobody wanted to, and I'm the only one left, and God took me. And I think maybe that's it. And that's just, that's why you become unshakable. If God set you, nobody can upset you. They can't, they can't do it. They try, but they can't do it. 
God made a choice and you're it. And if God's telling you to do something, I'm telling you facts don't matter. And I'm trying to say, if you want a guarantee, you're not going to go very far in life. All the people that changed our life, changed the world, technology, all kinds of, in sports, made, made uh, ludicrous changes in a world that said it won't work, changed the world. They, they had to overcome some setbacks and failure. I know right now, uh, you know, the Tesla car with Elon Musk is in a volatile place because it's a new beginning. But mark my words, it's coming. Electric cars, better batteries, longer service, la, 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 that will ultimately change. But there's a lot at stake in the petroleum industry if we go to electric. I won't have to line up at the gas station when they ration the gas. A couple of my neighbors have Teslas, and I noticed when I was sweating where I could find gas, they would just zoom, drive right on by, plug in in the garage, and life was good. Right? You have, you see, things that are emerging aren't always perfect yet, but they're coming. They're coming. They told Steve Jobs, you know, this will never work. They told Bill Gates, nobody wants a computer, only business or industry. Hello. And these people took risk with money, took risk with their life and capital, and changed the world. Who knows what you're capable of or what's possible? Certainly a better life and a bigger life for sure. And that's exactly what Abraham did in the crazy Old Testament faith-filled story reflected in the New Testament. Hebrews 11 again, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he was going. See, he didn't have all the bases loaded. He didn't have a guarantee. He just stepped out in faith. And when you take that step, keep your eyes focused on the author and perfecter of your faith, Suddenly, you're not walking by sight, but you're walking by faith. Great faith pleases God in a great way. So would our God be amazed at your great faith, or would He be amazed that you have access to His power and His Holy Spirit, and you choose to live small? And some people do. I want a no-risk life. Well, there ain't going to be much action or reward in that life. And I remember I thought, I don't want that. I might fail, but I'm going to fail moving forward. I'm going to try. I've told you many times, and I always tell the new member class, at least Cindy can go up to my tombstone and say, at least the sucker tried. (laughs) That's more than some people. They don't even try. To try and fail is not as bad as never to try at all. Right? Yeah. So, man, why are you so quiet? I want you to do something you haven't done before. If you want something you never had, you got to do something you've never done. And if you do, you're not comfortable because you've never done it before. You don't have any security to hold on to. You have to trust God. Trust God. Yeah. That's what faith is. If he doesn't come through, I'm sunk. How will this play out in our lives? Well, it'll play out individually and it will play out corporately. You may have to take a personal faith step to share Jesus with another person. Some of you have never done it. And when you do, your faith gets built when you obey God and see what he he can do in your heart and for someone else. God used you. That's an amazing feeling, right? And for some of you, you'll tithe for the very first time in your life. Yeah, it doesn't make any rational sense, but you do it to obey God. And then you see the wonderful work of God through you, his marvelous provision. Some of you may start a connect group, and you're going to be like me and wonder, can I do it? 
But then you'll look back one day and see it one of the favorite things you did. Some of you are going to serve in youth ministry. God bless you. Even if you're unsure that you can connect with young people, then you get in there and you do it and you see that you're impacting the next generation. Some of you will start a business and you don't know what's going to happen. Let me stop for a second. We have a, we, I have one of my dear friends in this service, and I won't name him, but for years he was top of the deck salesman. He was vice president of sales for a major statewide beverage company. And over the years of being in his church and being with him, he had such a winsome personality, such an ability to sell. He could sell anything. I kept telling him that. You could sell fur coats on Waikiki Beach. You, 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 it's a gift. And if you can sell that, you can sell this. You can sell anything. It's a gift. And he had a good job, good pay, good benefits. Now, how many of you know you don't want to let that tree go? And if you step out, you're going to have to borrow money, take a risk, and there's no paycheck unless you earn it. There are no benefits unless you can pay for them. Big risk, not something flippant that you can do. And then the company was bought, and the culture changed, and it wasn't like it was family, relational. The culture changed. It was abrasive. And I said, this is your moment to start your own business. He did. And the rest is history. It was the horrible first year all kinds of problems, and then it got smoother. Things got worked out. Cash flow got established. Good people came in, bought another business, ended up with three. And then he was telling me this, this past couple of weeks, we have now paid off the loan. We own those businesses. And now they're living better than they did before and at a higher level than before, and they can do more than they could before, all because they took that step of faith and took a risk. I'm telling you, this is not a secret. But nothing big, well, I wish God would do something. There are people in this room sitting on something you'd like to do, but you're afraid to do it. I know it. I know it. There's something, and it's been in you for a couple of years, maybe starting your own business, maybe uh, develop, changing a career. You might have to step back for a season to go forward. It's okay. But the issue is loving what you do and doing what you love. And it takes faith in order to bring those changes about. It's not foolish. It isn't without counsel. It isn't without prayer. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to take the risk, cut the safety line, and step on the water. And nothing's going to happen until you get out of that boat. See? Some of you feel called to tell your story in a book. Let me pause there for a moment. There's no guarantee anybody's going to read your book. But you've got to step out. Matt Matera and Eric are, are in this church, serve on security, naval officer. And Matt and his wife lost their, one of their daughters to suicide. Horrible tragedy in the family. But they moved on from that with God's comfort. And Matt felt called to write a book. He's been on multiple television stations. He's uh, been on social media. And he has put together a book, not yet released, to help comfort families who have lost teenagers, drug overdoses, depression, suicide, or whatever. Fantastic. But he felt, although he was proficient in his career, I never wrote a book. I don't know how to do it. What if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? You'll wonder all your life, what if? You know, when Cindy and I came here to start this church against everything I didn't want to do, 
I, I think what got me off the couch to say yes was being a high energy personality would be I would torment myself to the grave with I wonder what if. And some of you will go to the grave wondering, I wonder if I'd done that. I wonder if I'd just quit that. I wonder if I'd have dropped him. And I wonder if I'd have started that. And you'll never know till you do. You will never know. I want you to do great, to do well. And I'll be your biggest cheerleader. And I'll pray for you. I'll lay hands on the building. I'll do it. And if you fail, I'll be right there to pick you up and say, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. But go for it. You'll become a bigger person. See, my faith is not in the outcome that I want. My faith is in the faithfulness of God. And as you grow in your faith, and you can't grow if you don't use it, then we, the church, grow in our faith. We're not going to sit back. We're going to think big. Our God did not give us a small commission. He gave us the great commission. And we're going to tell the world about Jesus till we take our last breath. If you think the church is too big, then your love for people is too small. As long as there is someone that doesn't know Jesus, then the church is never too big. The need in the world is big. And we as a church, we're just getting started. We've got mega vision. I believe God wants us to think big because our faith pleases the heart of God. Now listen to this. I, I, we have unfinished dreams yet. I want a gymnasium with classes in it. Right? I know exactly where it ought to go. We want a youth building. We have the land to put that on. We don't have the resources for it. So we need more people, and we need more people to prosper so they can empower us to do more. I'm tired of all the rich people giving billions to put for a classroom at a school when people are starving and people are hurting, and we could do so much more. I'm just saying, I, that keeps me, the blood's moving in this body. Don't count me out till I breathe my last breath. I, I, I've never felt that way. But if you don't think that, nothing will happen. Well, good enough is good enough. No, it's not. If your daddy told you that, he's dumb. Good enough is not good enough. Marry somebody like that. I don't want good enough. I want excellence. I want the best. And so do you. And I want that in a job or a career. Now, you may have to start somewhere that's not the best, but keep that dream alive. Keep tweaking your strategy and taking that step of faith. Who, we, this didn't just happen. You know, let, let, me, let me close with this. Thinking big. When our hearts are in the right place, focused on Jesus, burdened for people, then why should we be so passionate about thinking big? Let me give you five reasons. Number one, thinking big requires us to envision what is not yet reality. It requires us to have faith like Nehemiah, who could see the walls of Jerusalem before they were ever finished being rebuilt. And how about, how about this? Pause a minute. Walt Disney envisioned Epcot, drew it, planned it, and he died before it was completed. At the ribbon cutting, Mrs. Disney was asked by several important delegates that were there, it's too bad Walt didn't live to see this. She said, are you kidding? Walt saw this years ago. It's just now completed. And that's what vision is. Second, thinking big honors God. It tells the world we believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. God once told an aging barren couple, you're going to birth a nation that would outnumber the stars in heaven. One of them laughed. One of them believed. 
And the rest, well, that's history. Third, thinking big shows God we take Him and His power seriously. Imagine being in the crowd behind Joshua when he and the priest set foot in an overflowing Jordan River, waiting for it to part. I imagine some were in the back of the line saying, thank God I ain't up there. If they get washed away, I'm not going. But old Joshua was out in front with the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, and they walked across on dry ground. Four, thinking big when our resources are meager lives credit for success to God alone. If you can do it, God's not in it. When God's in it and you help cooperate with Him, anything's possible. God once cut an army of thousands to 300 men who would take on 120,000 Assyrians with the leadership of Gideon and defeat them. It didn't seem sane, but God didn't want Israel to take credit for the victory. He wanted to get glory for it. And number five, thinking big takes the Great Commission seriously. See, God told a small band of men, go after the whole stinking world for Jesus. Well, they stayed in Jerusalem where it was safe and comfortable, but when persecution came, they had to scatter for their lives, and they went everywhere sharing their faith. Our God wants to do exceedingly more than we can ask or think according to the mighty power that works in us. So, what are we? Again, look at the screen. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Dream big. You may never get all you dream for, but you will never get more than you dream for. So dream big. Don't let people kill your dream. And it may be starting your own home business, maybe small beginnings. God says, despise not the day of small beginnings. That's what big things come out of, little things done well, opening your own business. Or you have a business and you want to enlarge it and start another branch in another part of town. Got to borrow money. It's a risk. Got to pay employees. Got to pay for that rent on the building or something. Yeah. That's why, that's why you make the most money. You're taking the risk. You've got all the stress. The buck stops with you. And so don't complain about where you are if you're not willing to take some step of faith to change it. I always encourage people, go for it. You'll wonder all your life, what if? I'm not going to live in a nursing home bed on a bedpan wondering what if. Why don't the kids come see me? I wish I'd bought that. I wish I'd borrowed the money for that. I wish I'd started that because I've heard people do it and you have too. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I'm going to. If it's right, it's an opportunity, I'm going to seize it right there. And you can do the same thing. So maybe you came out of a culture or a family that diminished your probability of success. Well, you just stepped into the kingdom of God. Now all things are possible. You're a covenant child of God. You're not limited by race or culture or your IQ. God wants to do mighty things through people who look pitiful. He has chosen the weak and the foolish to do great things to confound the mighty and wise. That means we're all in the game, man. Quit being a spectator. Get in the game. We've got big vision, big dreams for things we need to achieve. Needs big money. I want you to prosper. Start that business. Learn how to honor the Lord with the tithe. Uh, take a risk. 
I'll be there every step of the way, and nobody will demean you for that. And you're going to have some hard days. Sure you will. That's what makes it rewarding when you finally make it. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.